Blog Talk Radio. Washington, 
go to our website, www.sportsqanda.com. That is www.sportsqanda.com. Last but not least, give us a call this evening, 760-539-3269. That is five. Oh, that's not right. 7605. No, what is the number? It's not showing up. 760-539-3269. Folks, you just had a senior moment. Just be patient with me. You just had a senior moment. So we uh, played Quiet Song Storm by Mob Beep uh, in honor of Prodigy, half of Mob Beep who passed today, seems of complications of sickle cell anemia. Uh, so definitely rest in peace. Uh, I, I would say, in my opinion, a uh, he was definitely uh, underappreciated in the mainstream uh, hip-hop rap, but True hip-hop fans definitely appreciate him for the lyrics that he was and what he stood for. So definitely want to send uh, out prayers and wishes uh, to his family and and the entire, uh, you know, my beat in general. Q, how you doing, man? (coughs) Everything's good. Just like you said, the whole situation with Prodigy passing, um, just it's unfortunate. Um, he had been dealing with sickle cell for a while, fought the good fight, and um, the another one that's gone too soon. I mean, forty-two years old—that's crazy. And it, it's just another one to the list of rappers, entertainers within our generation that I mean, for better lack of terms, are is gone too soon. Some because of poor health choices, others because of unfortunate. Um, afflictions like this case, but I mean, it's just a wake-up sign. And a lot of people were talking about this online. We just gotta, we have to do better as men. And, and we've we've talked about this before, going back to No Shave November, Men's Health. We just got to do a better job. I have to do a better job um, of taking care of ourselves. Things don't heal as quickly as it used to. Things don't bounce back like they used to. So. We just got to be more aware of what's going on with our bodies. Definitely have to be uh, more aware uh, with what we do. Do it, setting a great example because uh, we only got one life. Only got one life. So, folks, we got a, a, a full-fledged docket tonight. We're on the verge of the NBA draft, which is Thursday. Uh, even though it's it's going on right now, the NHL expansion draft, we really won't mention that unless some people that were left protected surprisingly uh, get picked from any of the local squads or just in general. Um, and then uh, we'll go into this wild and crazy idea that just might work dealing with some college basketball and talk about Matt Stafford and his status with his contract negotiations and what it seems like according to the president and GM, that this is what it's going to be. But with that being that, man, this draft is here. Um, Off the top, when you look at drafts and draft classes in the last five years, where does this draft, in your opinion, rank going into the draft? You know, you know, once it 
translate uh, translates on the court, it looks a little bit different. But what is going in? What is how does this compare? I mean, this is a pretty good draft class. You have a lot of guys. You have, I mean, as always, it's very top heavy. Um, you have some some great ta- great potential. And I'm going to continue to use that word the whole night in talking about the draft till we see them on the court, until we see them put a, a shot up, grab a rebound. It's nothing but potential. But when you're looking at this list, uh, uh, many of the mock drafts I've looked at, you see guys all the way down to even outside of the, the, the lottery that have potential um, to be strong contributors, have a couple of guys that in the top five that could be difference makers, that could uh, be real difference makers at their positions. And, I mean, it's it's a pretty good draft. Now, they're saying next year it could be just as loaded, um, but we talk this every year. So I just want to see how things go, how things, how things progress. And it all, like, I mean, I think we talked about this with the NFL draft, more about where you go, then you're a talent because we've seen plenty of guys go to the wrong team and it, it, it sends their their potential in the wrong way. And we've seen plenty of guys that we didn't think that were going to be stars get put in the right position and end up having a great start to their careers. I mean, who would have thought Draymond Green as a second rounder would have the impact that he had has had in Golden State? Look at uh, Isaiah Thomas, last pick of his draft in the second round. Now he's an all-star. Now he's one of the uh, elite players <coughs> in the NBA. Um, and then on the flip side, you look at somebody like Anthony Bennett, number one overall pick, shows how weak the draft was or where Cleveland was at that position. And I don't know where he is. I think he might be in Toronto or somewhere, but never lived up to the hype in Cleveland. You have other guys that Thomas Robinson, who's changed teams maybe three or four times in his short career. And, I mean, even Michael Carter Williams, a guy that a lot of people thought had that P word potential to be a star, is got traded, I think, is on his, about to head to his third team. So it's, it's we never know how things are going to be until they be. So it's just going to be interesting. And I'm, I'm looking forward to tracking these guys and seeing what happens. And, and being able to have conversations because we all have opinions, whether it's I've seen it, oh, Markel Fultz is not the best player in the draft. Well, the, the first pick isn't always the best player. It may be the best fit, the best fit for that guy. Um, is Lonzo Ball going to be able to overcome his overbearing father? Um, which one of these big men are really going to live up to the hype? Is Josh uh, – is the the, the – the, battle between Tatum and uh, Jackson for that number one swing man, who's going to end up being better? There's a lot of questions that are won't be answered until the, the second or third year of their careers, if not the end of their contract. So it's, it's, it's going to be a fun ride. Yeah, it, it is, and it's always fun. You know, people want to predict what they're doing, uh, you know, what players are going to be, who's going to be the stars and all those other aspects, but you really can't tell. And, like, you, I think the biggest thing that you said, which it, which uh, rings true, is that 
to the top player or top four or five players may not be the best player in the draft. It's what those GMs feel is the best fit for their team. And hopefully those players, I mean, those the GMs get it right. I mean, because, I mean, you look at players, I mean, teams shuffling and moving up spots and trading up to, to try to get a certain player who they think is a fit, but we've seen it before. Um, you, We've seen it before where players have not uh, even come close to uh, living up to the expectation. Um uh, living up to the expectation. So it's just kind of a, I mean, it's sadly, and I think just because the talent, just because the talent, just because the talent level is not as high, I mean, it's top heavy, but I still don't think, at least initially, you're going to have a player, and this is going to be the measuring stick until there's another, a LeBron James type player, a non-big, a non-big fella that can dominate day one. That's what the draft should be. That's that's what the draft was in, it was created for, to help the teams that not doing well to get better quickly. But taking all these chances on what really is potential, because a lot of times you have a very small sample size to look at these players and you look about what they can do and you rely on individual workouts. And once again, those workouts are against college, usually college players or guys trying to get into the next level. So you're not, you're really not going to see what these guys are going to do uh, on the professional level. But the one thing about the professional level, if guys have those tangibles, uh, the, the league is watered down enough that you can pad your stats and you can be a decent player. You can average 15 and, and seven and four and say you have a good career and somebody else will trade for you saying you have potential. So, Man, it's it's really up in the air, um, and I'm look and I'm looking at these top. I'm looking at all the players that are, are that are, are rumored or or picked to draft be drafted in the first round. Which surprisingly, uh, one of the mocks has DJ going way higher than once expected at 22 to the two to the net. And we'll talk about why I'm laughing about the Nets uh, in a minute. But, I mean, last year in college basketball, who's the most impressive player in your eyes? Not just necessarily. Uh, last year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, last year, a player who's, who's available. Yeah, who's in the draft. <laughs> the most impressive player was uh, Jordan Bell. And maybe that's because I'm a – uh, a prisoner of the moment, and that was the last guy that really stood up. Um, him in the championship game, it was big fella from North Carolina. Uh, shoot, even his Jackson, Justin Jackson, um, mm-hmm. the small forward. Those were guys that stood out, but none of these guys. I mean, Shell is a fringe first round pick. Jackson is a fringe lottery pick, and uh, big fella. It's not even a draft doesn't even have draft potential. So it's just it's crazy that that the best players in college may not be even come close to being the best players in this draft. And we look at a guy like folks, once again, if someone brought this up today, 
how it's back-to-back years that the number one overall pick to be mm-hmm. a guy that played on the team that did not make the NCAA tournament. Uh-oh. I just hung up on Quinn. Let me call him right back. I was trying to do something else. But I agree. I, I think I heard somebody mention that uh, on uh, – that's not the right number. Um, on Mike and Mike today. Uh, no, that's not the right number. Uh, sorry. Uh, but they mentioned that, and that's the same thing. Second year in a row that the number one player did not and was not able to get his team enough wins to make it to the pinnacle. I don't know why, but that's just what happened. And how good could you be? Uh, how if you can't do that? But once again, it's a it's a lot. Uh, sorry, I gotta get Quinn back on the line. <clears throat> but when I look at the impressive players, guys that really, uh, I would have to say uh, Justin Jackson. Uh, one of the guys are still young. Uh, <clears throat> sorry about that, Q. I hit the hit the wrong button. I was trying to hit the post this to Twitter, and I hit the X button. It's fat finger syndrome. Uh-huh. My bad. Old man syndrome, fat finger syndrome. You just break it down over there. Yeah. I got all types of stuff going on right now. But yeah, I was agreeing with you again with when you have the best player, quote unquote, and they're not able to get their team to to NCAA tournament. But the thing is, is that, and this is another thing when you look at a true player, a true leader, a true person that's going to make players better. How how vested are they in that team concept, or are they there to give themselves more exposure? I mean, because it, I mean, yeah. it's a new NBA, but there is no way in any NBA that number one draft pick, unless it was somebody who was spectacular for a season or two before and had an injury, not lead his team to the tournament, not be overall impressive over all the time and would be considered the number one draft pick. It's just not how it used to be, but now everything is more on potential, and that it's, it's even higher risk and higher reward. Or higher reward. But you, um, I mean, they're risking and throwing some expensive dice on a lot of these players, not knocking them. But once again, that body of work is very small, and you're looking to say, well, this person can develop to get to this way. But in the pros for people to already develop, I think I tell you what I think the one thing, and we'll switch this real quick. The one thing the Major League Baseball has together is a, is a minor league system that they at least put people through a process prior to them being ready to be for the, for for the, uh, ready in the majors, and then they also have a process to send you back down. Whereas the D League right. still even is a joke. It's a joke. Uh, I mean, it's a place to send somebody to get attention to get their attention, pretty much. They're not getting developed. You know, I don't know the talent level. I mean, you do have some guys who came out of the D-League, but a lot of people end up going to the D-League because they're unknowns, but a lot of times people are unknowns because a lot of these guys are going to the D-League are these guys who are juniors and seniors. There ain't nobody paying attention to. We're looking at this guy right. who's a McDonald's All-American who uh, went to this school that we already predicting to be a number one draft pick. 
So yeah. um, and that's the double edged sword of it. And one quick thing before we make the switch, and I think um, now Washington had a history of some success. Um, they just ran into a bad season. But when you look at it at LSU, where Ben Simmons spent that one year, isn't is this where you have those people that kind of tell you, see, this is why you need to go to that basketball program. LSU is a football school. Him going there and having to deal with all of that, having a coach that really hasn't handled a a top-tier talent, a one-and-done talent, could that have played a part in hamstringing his, his development, whereas if he had went to a Kansas, he had went to a Kentucky, a North Carolina, a Duke, shoot, he could have went to Michigan, would have had far more success than what he would have had going to LSU, being in the concept of being surrounded by players that had won before him, knowing how to win, knowing how to play. And there was speculation that he, I mean, essentially quit on the team and all that stuff, so that didn't help. But whereas with Fultz, I think that was just, he got caught up in a bad situation. Because as we see, Lorenzo Romar, the head coach, ended up getting fired. So this was, if this was Washington two or three years ago, there is no question with Fultz getting there because he would have been there. I think Washington has put out talent over the past two or three uh, three or four years where they would have been okay. It may not be all of it. may not have been NBA level, but they had success. They were making a tournament. They were being competitive in the Pac-12. They just happened to get caught in that, that down flow of that ebb and that flow where he had a bad season. And he wasn't going to stick around to wait around for that that to that comeback. So it's just interesting. You I wanna hold it against them, but I can't totally hold it against them because they're just one piece. And unlike football where yeah, you can have some success with one guy, but I think even now in college basketball to have true success, you need to have at least two or three guys and one of those guys have to be an upper class. Yeah. I mean not even looking at aspect of winning a championship, but when you talk about building a program, and it's real hard. I mean, you look at I look at the Michigan and Beeline. I mean, they were poised to make a a, a another push with uh, DJ and Wagner coming back, being dominant down low, and hopefully the development of a couple of players, younger players. But now that's kind of thrown off. So now they're still struggling. Lopez was a strip last year. The front court is now a question mark. And now you have people that are going double team Wagner, where in the past you couldn't do that because you had other options. So the thing is that it's hard to capture it uh, in the moment. Sometimes it's luck. Sometimes, once again, Michigan is, is at least – Within the last eight years, been known for people to have to take that that big sophomore jump in development, and once again, it has allowed them to have a lot of success that a lot of people, I'll be honest, never thought they would see on the beeline. Right. <laughs> just, so it's just an aspect of when you look at these players and the development of these players, and I I don't think I can overstate that enough is that 
that makes a big difference in what these guys end up being. Because if I mean, most people, if I can be average or above average, or I can do one thing really, really well, whether it's shoot the three, whether it's rebound, whether it's defend, and I can get paid first-round money, what reason do I have to develop further? Because if I yeah. still they, because they, now they're expecting me to only do th- certain things. Rarely do you see them draft a player and say, "Well, we expect for him to be able to be a better shooter," but we know what he shot in college. No, they think they can will you to it. And I mean, you have some players that have had slight improvements over their careers of being a better shooter or things of that nature. But people are tend are tend are going to tend to be who they are. Um when it comes to the type of player that they are. And it just, once again, it's about the right system, the right coach to do, you know, do something. I mean, if, if the Knicks don't pick somebody that they're confident that's going to be able to run the triangle, it's a waste. And the player is going to live in exile, <laughs> and they're going to go ahead and leave, and, and they're going to thrive somewhere else because you have to have the right type of player. You don't need a wide a player that works open in the, in the open court. In that triangle half court offense, every possession. It's just right. It happened. You got to have full buy in, and it's not just full buy in, just because the GM president said they're gonna do it. It got to be buy in by everybody in that clubhouse. That's the only way it's been effective. And they and they can't afford to be like the Bulls or the Lakers were when people didn't buy in. They got rid of them because you only got about two talented folks on that team. Speaking of which, they are shopping, and they shopping one. Well, they're shopping both with uh, Melo trying to find his way out. Now there's rumors coming about that the Knicks are entertaining calls for uh, Chris Stapp's Porzingis. So it's like, dude, this is a situation where all the other guys on that roster, anybody that's being drafted by the Knicks, has to go in thinking, what am I getting myself into? Because if they're willing to give away their number one player, and their number two player, who happens to be a young up-and-coming star, depending on who you talk to, where do I fit in? If I if they take Dennis Smith, who I send my to them from NC State, who's a guy that they feel is like is the exact opposite of what the Knicks need, a guy that's good in the open court, he's at the point where he almost wants to tell wants to pull a, a Eli Manning or John Elway and say, "Don't draft me." Please don't draft me because I'm not going to fit what you want. Despite you, despite management, despite Bill Jackson, and despite Hornacek uh, seeing talent, I'm not going to be able to do what you want me to do. Right. And, and that's that's going to be a problem. It ain't going to be a full rebuild. And if you have the owner who is either enamored with Phil Jackson or – wants to use his his credibility as a coach to 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 solidify or put the stamp on on their franchise it's not working i mean <laughs> it's not working but something's going nah. to have to happen because i can't i can't remember how many they said uh hold on i got to look this up right the last time the Knicks made the playoffs it's been a minute last Last time the Knicks made the playoffs, 2000-2001 season. Wow. 
Dude, that's that's crazy. Like, that's crazy considering the 90s Knicks. The late 80s. Well, no, I'm pretty much the 90s. Late 80s, 90s Knicks. That's crazy. And you continue to do this. So it's almost like, dare I compare, Lions fans still selling out Ford Field. And I'm not talking about the last couple of years, two out of three years when we made the playoffs. I'm talking about when we were horrible, still packing out the spot. What reason do they have to change? Still getting paid. Right. Not getting paid off playoff money, but we getting paid for filling out the stadium. We getting paid for merchandise. It's a it's a it's a tough uh, road to to travel, but we're right at the eight thirty marks. We're gonna hear from our sponsors, and we'll come back and talk about some NBA trade rumors and a couple of NBA trades on the on the eve of the eve of the NBA draft. We'll be right back. This half-hour sports Q&A has been brought to you by Crush Media Group, Progressive Greek, Next Step Mentoring, Ticket Wave, and Fan Siding. Welcome back to Sports Q&A. It is 8.30 in the p.m. on Tuesday, June the 20th, 2017. Give us a call at 760-539-3269. That is 760 760- Five three nine three two six nine. Well, and actually, it's an update. Uh, I knew that number sounded off. The last time the Knicks made the playoffs was twenty thirteen. Oh, my bad. They did make it in that one year. My bad. Years. No, they made it eleven, twelve, and thirteen. My bad, Knicks fans. Somebody should be Knicks fans should be listening to correct me. But y'all may be too embarrassed to just say that how y'all been it. That's that you just don't want to even mention it, especially considering what could your, what your team could look like this year. But with that, uh, we had a couple of trades, a couple of things. So I'm gonna let Q talk about what he feels is the most compelling trade uh, of the ones that have been made so far, and I'm sure that uh, it's not gonna be the last. But which trade do you think? Uh, has uh is the most compelling so far. I would call it compelling. I would call it confusing. Um, it just dropped. the Brooklyn Knicks and the LA Lakers um, swap big men and the money star with the Lakers sending Timothy Lopez. Yeah, Brooklyn Lopez and the Timothy, which I don't get. You figure that the Nets need all the resources that they can get because that talent level is on par with the Jets as far as being just, just non-existent. But they still had a 22nd pick, so they still have access to another young player this year. Okay, you sound like a robot right now. Uh, just letting you know. Um. Me, I think with this trade, um, you, it depends on the thought process of your GM. But if you're looking at being at the 27th pick, granted you have made some horrible trades that you're paying for now and to years to come. Um, 
But you get two NBA quality players. You get D'Angelo Russell, who's a player who probably the limelight of L.A. was a little too much with the light shining too brighter than him than it would in a normal city, even if he was a star in, in, in another city. Um, you get Mozgov, who I don't expect them thinking he's going to be a starter, but he gives you a reliable backup, a formidable backup. I mean, I think what they got for tra- and trading Brooke Lopez, uh, which uh, once again he he's he's a a a, a decent big man, uh, a rebounder, uh, a rim protector. You trade him to the Lakers. Um, I think talent wise, you're better off. I don't know what it is contract wise with these guys. Contracts have left. Um, but at I least they look better. Okay, so uh, I think that the late, I mean, the Nets. This will help put fans in in the seats at least a rich, uh, uh, going into the season, just because you have a young, upcoming, talented player, uh, a snitch, but talented player. Uh, but I think that it gives opportunity for for. New guys and new opportunities. Mozgov probably is going to just be a journeyman after this. I mean, his his line, his I think his best days were in that series in, in in Cleveland in the finals. But again, I think that the Nets really kind of came up on top right now, immediately, immediately. But once again, the Lakers are in a situation that now they've gotten rid of some guys who Magic probably didn't feel bought into the system, and you can get something for. That they're going to be a young team, and I think he's going to find a good way to balance it. You basically, if not this year, next year have Paul George in waiting. Now what do you do? You know what I'm saying? Now is not a three-year window till we snip the playoffs in the West. Maybe it's a two. Maybe maybe some of these guys develop depending on who they end up taking. You you never know. I think it was a smart move, I think, for both sides. I think both sides, of course, need more than what they got, but I think it may be pieces that may help them to become more competitive. I mean, the the Nets are going to be the Nets right now. I don't, I, I'm that, That's one of the more perplexing uh, franchises that I've seen in the NBA in a while just based on the decision-making when the, uh, the owner – wanted to spend money on any and everybody and did and ended up those decisions ended up being some very bad basketball decisions. So I mean to me I think it's a win win for both. I, I don't think it's a championship win, but I think it's a win win right now. Oh yeah, definitely. I think with Lopez It's true. Um so speaking you you brought up the name of, of the most Infamous player in the in the draft, uh, more so his, his daddy. What his daddy has said than what he's done so far. Alonzo Ball. So you have what was a discussion, conversation, and in some circles still may be uh, who is the number one draft pick, or who's the be- better between the two, Fultz and Ball. So if you are now, and we didn't mention this, 76ers did trade uh, the Celtics 
to get up two spots. Uh, so then, you, as you can tell, the 76ers, who have a young core, they need to stay healthy, but they are making a move for whoever, whomever they feel is that top pick. Who are you picking? You're the GM of the 76ers. You go up to the podium. Who are you picking and why? Um, I'm going for the fact that on and off the court, he's a, a safer pick. I think offensively, he's a lot more polished. Ball is more of a trigger first. Uh, a playmaker in that sense, whereas I think folks can get you some buckets when need be. Um, he, he can get you 10 points on the night, 20-25 on the night, plus the 6-7 assists. And I think with his team involved, he's a better passer than He's a great passer, and it looks that way. And he'll be the guy that gets you 15, 15, and 15. And that may not be enough for Philadelphia right now. So, definitely in that situation where I think with the Lakers, the drivers on the Lakers, the Lakers have some scoring points. Um, you have Brandon Ingram, you have uh, Jordan Clarkson, you have a couple of other guys still on their roster, not to mention what can happen. With these other two draft picks, and with the four that they're drafting this year, with the other scores next year. All right, Q, I'm gonna need you to call back in, dude, because you sound like uh, Mr. Roboto. I can f- figure out like every third word, so I don't know what happened when I called back again. But I'm gonna ha- disconnect you, call back. I'll bring you back in. All right, so Q will be back in a second, uh, aka Megatron, uh, but. Yeah, when you're looking at this, the 76ers, I think the 76ers, especially being in the East, are prone to, uh, uh, in prime position to be able to take and make a playoff push uh, with a young core. And I think if you look at both players and you look at the type of players they are, I think Fultz is just a little bit uh, gets denied a little bit over, over, over ball. Again, you're looking at the type of player that he is going to the hole, uh, can shoot from from deep. I just like uh, his options. I think Lonzo Ball, I think, will be an all-around player at his position, at the point guard position, especially in College Avenue, 7.6 assists. I think that will assist and help whichever team that selects him. So, but I think that the 76ers need a certified scorer, a go-to guy, Right now, not saying Alonzo Ball can't be that in, in spurts, but I don't think that's his, his strong suit. Uh, so I would, in the 76ers, agree with you and make the uh, number one pick be full. You have reached the voicemail box of 3133. What happened? Oh, no. I'm having a whale of a time. Oh, there we go. Hello? Yeah. Yep. And I don't know how to end that call. All right. There we go. You better now. Okay. Q? Hello? 
What happened? What happened? Oh, Hello? there you go. Yeah. All right. So that's a little better now. But I was agreeing with you with folks uh, pretty much for the same reason. Uh, just being a little more high power to score, I think Lonzo is, is just a little bit more all-around player, and I think that, that would bode well for a team that is in a rebuilding stage. He can grow and be have a solidified role, whatever that role may be, uh, for that team, um, which basically you tell it, I have him going to the Lakers probably, even though I don't think that's necessarily the best situation for him. Not necessarily team-wise, because I think the transformation of the Lakers are going to go a little faster than what people thought. But just because of his dad, to me, being problematic at times uh, and could be problematic when it comes to dealing with uh, the progression of his career, potentially. Uh, But I think Magic and his his folks, uh, Rob Palenka and the whole crew, will, if they draft – Lonzo will sit down, daddy ball, and uh, have a nice conversation with him. Like, you don't want to be the one that gets banned from Staples Center or not be allowed to do anything. So you can talk all day long, but uh, your son works for us, not you. So, uh, but when you're looking at, so we're on the same page of that, but when you're looking at, uh, excuse me, um, some of these other, some of the top players that are in there, the people are, are juggling between the conversation. We can do the same thing in the conversation between uh, Tatum and, and Josh Jackson. Um, do Is it just me or do you feel that Josh Jackson is, for some unbeknown reason, taking a little tumble? Do you think it's his, it's his, his legal issues in uh, at Kansas or – is it just because of, of team need? I think it's more of team need. And he's not a – this is what I've been hearing. This is a guy that is a energy guy more so than a – just concerned about his ability to get what he needs to get defensively in half court. You put him in a position where he's – I mean, they're probably not this way now, but – old school Einstein Phoenix team from a couple of years ago. You put him out on the league and he can let him go, he can get you uh, 10 to 15 points that way easily without a doubt. His energy is going to be there. His, his uh, toughness, his size is going to flourish in the situation. But you put him in a situation where he has to create a shot from a half court, there's some questions. Whereas Jason Tatum, they're, they're it's not those same questions. This is a guy that has some some good three point range, can create his own shot, and is a more polished offensive player. Now the ceiling. I mean, we've heard this discussion. I heard the ceiling versus the floor. The ceiling for Jackson is a lot higher, but that floor for Tatum is a lot better. If even if Tatum doesn't get better, this is a guy that may get you 15 to 18 on a night, four or five rebounds, and can be a consistent guy. Whereas Jackson, if he reaches his potential, and that's a big if, that's a, that's that difference maker at at the wing position that is starting to dominate NBA basketball. I mean, people talk about the point guards, and we see the love for the point guards, 
But look at the teams that have found a lot of success. They have their best player because they're a winning player. You look at Golden State, you look at Cleveland, you look at Indiana, you look at uh, San Antonio, um, even a team, a young team like Minnesota with Andrew Wiggins at the team. Oh, that's where they can get you buckets. They can score in bunches. That's a lot better. And, I mean, bringing it close to home, that's why the two local teams that we follow, the Pistons and the Mavericks, are struggling. They have nothing at the wing position. I mean, and Q dropped with his shoddy basement cage service. Let me call him back. Uh, but yeah, uh, and Q. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, dude, yeah. The cave is taking over tonight. But, um, yeah, and then, uh, the reason why both the Mavericks and the Pistons are struggling. Oh, because the Wings, you have nobody at the three that can give you buckets when you need it. Um, you look at Harrison Barnes, he's technically a four, and who's playing three for Pistons? Stanley Johnson, um, or inconsistent bias errors, they don't have someone they can depend on. And that's where the league is being separated. So if you can find somebody like a, a Josh Tatum that we know is going to give you offense, I think that tends to work out a lot, a lot easier. And you can find that. Yeah. That's true. And, and the thing is, is, I mean, I'm looking at this draft, and, and sadly, you look at the Pistons and uh, the Mavs, where they are, I mean, you don't have that player that that you that you need at that. Point. Um, and so what both teams may end up doing is end up going with a scorer at the two, or Dallas possibly going with a point guard that still helps them, but doesn't help them as much as they need to be helped. Um, once again, if you unless you can find a trade for a a a player, I'll use an example because it, it may be rumored that this guy may be gone. Because uh, a Kyle Korver or a uh, well, I can't think of your boy from Duke that plays in L.A. Um, uh, he's a three point shooter. Uh, from he's from Duke. Oh, uh... JJ Reddick. Yeah, so I mean, but unless you can get players like that on your team, then your draft, and this is a situation when you are are kind of out of position with the players that you have, um, you end up taking best player available, which may or may not help you overall. And I mean, the Pistons are rumored a couple of guys. Donovan Mitchell, Luke Kennard. Uh, <clears throat> I haven't seen, uh, once again, because of their their options. I mean, you have a, a Justin Jackson, but I'm not sure if that fits it, and that may be a reach at 12. Maybe you can trade down uh, and get something additional for that. But 
I mean, then, and once again, the needs of the team may, you know, Baines has, if you didn't know, opted out of his player option. Um, so he's going into the free agent market. So do they feel that they need to get a stretch, a stretch, uh, a stretch forward? Or get big. They have two of those guys that they brought in last year. You got uh, John Lohr that they signed from Milwaukee. Then they have Henry Ellison that they drafted last year and really didn't play. So, I mean, I right. think that's, and I'm looking at, yeah. at the mock draft from NBA.com. They had them taking Zach Collins from Zagreb, which is confusing because that. Is that not a Harry Ellison clone? So at some point, and then you mentioned the fact that taking Justin Jackson may be surprised as well, they have Denver taken right behind him at 13. So I think this is one of those situations where you put him in that situation, and then also, uh, you know, it was rumored that during trading season that they were openly shopping Andre Drummond. So maybe you have some type of blockbuster trade that gets you a higher pick. You draft a player that you a player position that you need, and then a, a, a I can't I dare not even say this in this term, but for all intents and purposes, a luxury pick uh, in your other pick or additional pick that you get. I mean they I mean they have to do something because they are not they don't have a solid jump shooter. Yes, KCP is, is a jump shooter, but he's streaky. Uh, Reggie is just a scorer. You don't have anybody that anybody game plans really to close out on, to double team, to make sure that guy doesn't get up. And, you know, I'm talking about to somebody to the point that I wouldn't even say a full-fledged Rip Hamilton, but somebody you respect, AJ. I mean, when I used to play hoop, uh, play ball on the regular – Listen, somebody got to knock down three J's before I really play some good perimeter D if we playing the game up to 15. If we're playing up to 10 or 11, you knock down two, and then I'm in your face. So, and I think that's the situation. That who do you have that's knocking down two or three consecutive shots? I mean, majority of teams have that. I don't see that. And that's where Kennard in the playoffs back down was. We need some score points to go with that attitude, and they haven't gotten it from it. So now you're a liability because you're not going to be able to. If you can't score, you can't play. And just imagine how that team would look differently if they decided instead of Brandon Knight a few years back, they went to Clay, uh, Clay Thompson or instead of Kenny Johnson, they took Devin Booker. And I don't care what you say, if you score 70 points in the NBA game, you can ball. Yeah. So I mean, you, you, you have to. You, I mean, especially with the with the salary cap, how it is is about to bounce bounce up again. I think this is the. You may see the most action, and not necessarily at draft, but also to try to free up money for free agency. You're going to see the most moves that you've seen, uh, in the NBA when you have those teams that are on the cusp of the playoffs, especially in the East, and some of those teams that are trying to improve to get to that next level um, to make the to make those moves. So uh, who do you think, when you're looking at these players, uh, is a, a player that's underrated that uh, 
is going to get some good run and actually year one uh, have some good uh, good numbers for their team. Uh, I mean, I, I call them out. Actually, I think it's, it's a couple of guys, and one is Dennis Smith. This guy has athleticism. He's not he's a, he has some side of the point guard, but he's not that mean the against some of the top teams and and he was a player who uh <clears throat> big fella Caleb Swanigan. I just think that his consistency um and even though he's undersized for a power forward center the way that he plays he's gonna he's gonna get his double double in some shape, form or fashion. Um I think in my opinion He's a rich man's Andre Drummond because Andre Drummond don't block no shots. Andre Drummond, Drummond averages 18 and 12 on college. I think Swanigan can can at least average 16, uh, 15 and 10, which at his size um, would be definitely uh, something that that the right home about. I just think that his consistency and again his, his track record, even against top notch. Uh, uh, Competition has shown it. Now, once again, he's on the borderline of uh, late first, uh, uh, late first, early second. But you look at him and you look at what he's done and what his position, and it never he never really wanted to be a star. But he is also a big man, which you rarely see in today's basketball, even college or NBA, who wants the ball in the post, who has a, I would say a plethora and plethora for big fellas nowadays, more than three low post moves. And he can, he can extend it a little bit with his range. I think whoever ends up with is going to end up with, with a. Sometimes, um, but again, with his height, 
in his range, which he showed, once again, on the big stage, and I think that's the only reason why he's here, he's going to get drafted. And he's going to be interested uh-huh. to see who he is. And it's not my selfishness as a Michigan fan, but it's just the situation is that I saw the struggling moments. I saw the get shut down, no points, or three points, or no double-digit rebounds, and you 16, and you're a big fella, that's not acceptable anywhere. I saw for him is Jared Jeffries. Uh, I think he was a sophomore when he came out. Didn't live up to hype, but I think that's where DJ could find him being the top player. Right. All right, that folks, we are slid into the second hour. About to hear about the promos, and then we're gonna talk a little about a little idea that may add to uh, the entertainment value of um, college basketball. We'll be right back. This half-hour sports Q&A has been brought to you by Crush Media Group, Progressive Greek, Next Step Mentoring, Ticket Wave, and Fan Siding. Welcome back to the second hour of Sports Q&A. It is 9.03 in the p.m. Tuesday, June 20th, 20th 2017. Give us a call, 760-539-3269. That is 760-539-3269. Actually, before we talk about that little idea, let's talk about some of these trade rumors that I, I have been swirling around and talk about how, number one, uh, is there when we'll talk about the trades, but we'll talk about on the aspect of is there a one trade that makes a single team better or good enough to beat Golden State, which is the measuring stick. And then number two is look at some of these trade options and how would it be perceived based upon the perception of certain trades that have led organizations to win championships. So, the first thing, and we kind of talked about it earlier when we talked about the Lakers, is Paul George. Indiana would be boo-boo the fool if they did not trade Paul George at some time, either preseason or before the trade deadline. But you probably can get more preseason before the trade deadline, uh, pre-draft before, uh, rather than trade, uh, trade deadline. Um. What team, or the first question, can Paul George make a team that much better to, I would say, move them up a step? So if you are a conference champion competitor that you can win the conference champion, or if you were an NBA runner-up, you would be able to do that. Does it see Um, that type of... Give your presence, because now you're essentially moving the Brooklyn Jays to the four. And I'm not sure if that's enough to get them past Golden State. If you move, if you get him in Boston, and this is the caveat of them making another addition in the name of Gordon Hayward, I think they get past uh, Cleveland. Because you have, now you have a healthy Isaiah Thomas, um, you have Hayward and two Okay, and um, and the thing is, is that especially with the trade, 
him going to uh, either one of those teams, with the exception of unless Boston gives up that number three pick, which I don't think they would. But I, but in my opinion, I think giving up that number three pick, if you can guarantee, if, if I would only do that if in talking to, to Paul George, he's willing to sign the contract re-up immediately. Right. Because if he gives up the dream of going to L.A., yeah, I'll give up this number three pick because he's going to be better than anybody in that draft for this window of time that we need him to be good. Um, yeah, I don't think, and I'm thinking about him possibly going to San Antonio. Would that be enough in the West? I think not. Um, Houston, I think it would help Houston boost themselves up maybe to the conference championship be way more competitive uh, and win some games in that conference championship. But again, I don't think he 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 gets him that next that next step winning that next series. Um, but he has to go somewhere if Cleveland is smart. Granted, they do have a new GM with Larry Larry Legend now only acting as an advisor. Uh, it's just. Uh, I just don't know where. I mean, uh, Indianapolis is trying to get the most value for for him while they can. Um, but he's made it, or it's appeared he made it public. He's made it publicly known he wanted to go to L.A. I mean, look. So look at the the Nets trade. If you were the if you were the Pacers, and maybe maybe Magic is sending a message to the Pacers that hey. Since you guys and I'm not sure if they they talk with him, but hey, you guys didn't want to trade for him. We basically we basically giving these guys away. Would you have taken that trade if you were the Pacers, knowing knowing that he's already said he wanted to go to the Lakers? That wasn't enough for Paul George because I would have to get Julius um, Randle, even though he's not. That big, that much of a difference because they're not coming off a green, they're already steady. Um, but I know I have to get uh, Randall with nothing more for more bargaining chips. Mm-hmm. Yes, and like I said, the Pacers need, yeah, I think they need to try to fleece whoever it would, whoever they have. But the thing is, talent wise, I think you need to get. A vet with an expiring contract, you need to get some young, up-and-coming guys with at least two years on their contract that you can get them to feel to make Indianapolis as their home and to be able to not lose not too many, uh, you know, not to lose draft picks because you need need that because you're losing your franchise. So, um that's, you know, that's, again, something that's rumored out there. We, we got a couple of, uh, another rumor that Jimmy Butler is on the trade block, but it's rumored that Jimmy Butler wants to go to dun, 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 Cleveland. Destination spot now, huh? Now, I know what people may think. Hey, Jimmy wants to go to Cleveland? Wait a minute. Is this the same thing KD did with with the uh with the uh Warriors? Or is it, or is, or is Jimmy not that difference maker? He's not that difference maker. As big of a difference maker, but I still, it still doesn't 
nothing more face that ring. Yeah, I mean, it does smell fishy, but once again, it may be a cry for help. I mean, Jimmy wanted it to be his team. He wanted uh, 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 Rose out of there. It became his team. They brought in Dwayne Wade to bring some veteran help and bring him back home. And he realized this is not what I signed up for. So now I'm trying to go ahead. And I think that Whatever, however, it's going to be uh, it's going to be viewed is that this is going to become what good players do when they play on bad teams is want to just immediately go to the winner. And the fact that teams and fellow players really don't have a problem about it because now it's just about winning. It's not about building the winner. It's not about being leader of that team. It's not even about being the best player of that team. It's about, hey, me going on and being able to win the championship. And that means for me, I'm not knocking people wanting to win the championship. Not at all. But the thing is, is that I don't in the NBA, it's not even parity. I think the uh, draft is a microcosm of what the league is. It's top-heavy. Right now, it's the it's top heavy and it's light at the top, uh, where you have two teams at the top, and you have three teams maybe battling that can battle those teams but can't beat those teams. People want to say, well, what about when the Lakers and the Celtics were going back and forth in the eighties? They were they were being battled, they were being tested throughout the way. Nobody tests the team that lost once and the only time the other team lost was in the finals. Who's testing them? Nobody. I mean, the super thing is, is that you, you're looking at it from a situation of how can the NBA, I said this right the, 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 the our episode right after the finals, how can the NBA get better? I mean, if you if you letting players go, now granted they did try to, try to do it and maneuver it through the CBA, which, again, you know, it rewards players who are good, great players, all pro players, for staying with the teams that they came with. I mean, but I've heard rumors of uh, uh, the the unibrow being traded and, and other star players being traded um, that – where is the fun? I mean, you basically are going to take suck the life out of NBA fan, local fandom. That's what you're going to do. And then what you'll find that is local teams that are not good will only sell out when good teams come. Yeah. I really and think that I was, Yeah. I had, a, I had a conversation on my Facebook today about this. It's like, you had it specifically the haves versus the have not. And when you look at teams like Detroit, Milwaukee, um, some of these, these middle teams where they're, they're not good enough to attract top tier talent, but then when they, they're still not, they have some pieces, but not enough And those, some pieces from them out of the, the top five of the, the lottery draft where, the, where there are the few. I want to be traded to Cleveland. Oh, you can go to Miami. If people figure how 
decent sitting or even riches. Where they they've been looking for that wing player for a few years, you put Jimmy Butler in Memphis, they're they're better contention. But no, I want to go to Cleveland. I don't want to do that. They just want to jump right in and play for the contenders, which is crazy. Yeah, so it's a uh, that that situation is crazy for the number of reasons. Because if you get traded, if I'm if I'm Chicago. I, what player is the player that's going to make me want to trade you to Cleveland? Because that basically pushes up behind. I need to get somebody that's going that's to give me something that makes me competitive. I'm not going to get a Jimmy Butler in return unless I find a team that's run on with a star. So why in the world would I trade you to, to Chicago? I mean, to Cleveland? Because the only player I would trade you for Cleveland for that would be an upgrade would be Kyrie. Nobody else. Mike, or one of the CBS Sports 
talk uh, radio shows that they somebody said if he leaves and leaves to L.A., it would not be for the Lakers. It would be for the Clippers, only for the aspect of being able to, uh, once again, you know, LeBron is really focused on his legacy of being able to potentially lead two uh, legendary bottom feeders of the NBA to the pinnacle of the sport, the Cavs and then the Clippers, because nobody's been able to the Clippers. Clippers haven't even been to the conference championship. So th- could you just imagine how, how I mean, how, who could hate on LeBron then? championship they they will make a statue right next to Magic Johnson in between Jack. Yeah, so that um was uh I mean once again all that speculation but the thing is is that LeBron is is not happy and he, he's a little more not happy now since Cleveland uh well, they didn't fire him, but they kind of fired him. The big boss who kind of dipping his nose in every aspect of it, uh, Dan Gilbert, uh, David Griffin, the GM, has been uh, removed or stepped down from his position. Le- LeBron was not necessarily happy with that, um, but it came down to a situation, and historically, Dan Gilbert, is not a fan, does not feel the GM is as big of a piece to a team or a championship competitive team as most teams do. Uh, No GM has been re-upped by Dan Gilbert. Danny Ferry, when he left, left for the same reason that the negotiations broke down. Um, And you look at, at, at David Griffin, who won a championship, was one of the lowest paid GMs. And then also, um, you know, usually when GMs win the championship, they get, uh, you know, a, a boost in pay as well as they get a promotion, which leads to be president and GM. And uh, that just didn't happen. And instead of fighting that, you put him, I mean, basically he can go wherever he wants to and get that money because you mentioned about – Orlando's GM, who was a first-time GM, got the president and uh, and GM and got a high-paying job, four or five million dollars. So, does this do anything to change Cleveland's direction? And, I, and, and I'm gonna let you answer this, and then I'll give you another bit of information, which to me is like mind-boggling, crazy that the timing of this and when it occurred, but. Does this change anything in Cleveland and the approach and where they are in trying to obtain a championship? <laughs> yeah, so the, the little tidbit of information that I did not let on to you is that it is rumored by a Cleveland insider that the day in which it was decided that he was going to leave or be relieved, that he was working on the trade. Uh, possibly a three-team trade to get rid of Love and get a superstar in his replacement. And it, the superstar was not Jimmy Butler, nor was it uh, uh, Paul George. 
But that's all or not. So now I think it's a four-man rotation that's running Cleveland. And then the rumor, I know you saw it as well, that they're looking for the potential rumor placement is Chauncey Billups, who will actually not be the GM, will be the president, and will hire the GM. Um, and once again, I, that's based upon uh, Dan Gilbert's relationship with Chauncey, which, of course, was forged when Chauncey was in Detroit. And Dan Gilbert is a business man with money, deep, deeply rooted money in the city of Detroit. But um, that was Fully healthy, but that to me when I heard that this morning, I was like, "Wow, 
but once again, you have people who need to be or are feel they are the smartest person in the room and makes those decisions, and uh, they live with the decisions. I'm pretty sure he didn't blink an eye when they made that happen. But it was just interesting to that. So now we got about 30 minutes, 25 minutes to go uh, of the show. So we're going to transition into this. And and Quinn peeped this to me, so I'm going to let him set it up. Uh, But there's a potential, or not even potential, a an idea floating around, and it's not just an idea. It's, it, it, it has some legs. It has some support. It has uh, a lot of backing. It may not have all the legal backing yet, but it has something that we've talked – I think we've talked about this in this show for real before uh, a couple of times. But now it looks like it may be coming to fruition, and it may be coming to fruition. And I know I've said it before in the mode – and in the institutions that I say that it can work, but what I was talking about was just com- the competitiveness, but this was also what we were talking about as how do you change and break the monotony of what is the NCAA. So let let, the, let, let our listeners know what this idea is. So it was reported on MySports.com that um, – HBCUs. There's a group at HBCUs. All right, you hold on. You break your robotto again. You robotto again. Hello? Call back. Yeah, yeah. You're. It's still robot. It's breaking up like big time. Now. And I don't want people to miss it. Hello. Listen. Yeah. Yeah, you're still breaking up. We're gonna have to get you a. Uh, we're gonna have to get Quinn a one of those satellite phones. So he can call in from anywhere, so he can be uh, like uh, Ben Laden in the cave. He's going to call back, though, and I'll connect him. But uh, <clears throat> I'll let him get a segue because he sent it to me, and I was like, wow, this is like a combination of like six of our ideas. Knowing good and well that the people that were doing this and are doing this do not listen to our show. But, you know, good ideas are good ideas. I'll leave it at that. So I'm going to try to call Q again. And see if. Yeah, dude, that's pretty good. Are you you inside of a. Are you underneath a rock? Hello? I don't know how it could, I didn't think it'd get worse. I could have had you say it before. I could hear every third word. Now I can't hear nothing. Hello? All right, there you go. That's a whole lot better. So, so what it is, mm-hmm. it's is an ABCU exclusive basketball league that will take, uh, I guess, Sixteen teams, four of them are current Division One uh, teams. I think, including Florida and then Howard, and then uh, I think it's twelve Division Two HBCUs would allow these players to make anywhere between fifty and hundred thousand dollars a year. They would be able to enforce. 
products, sell autographs, I will agents to sell gifts from boosters, declare for the NBA draft, and even be drafted by the NBA teams without losing their uh, eligibility. Twenty to thirty million dollars is going to take plus a year that it's going to take for one to pay the players, two improve the facilities on these campuses, three hire these coaches, and, and this is the one thing. And I said even with, uh, I guess it may not hold that true if you break away from this. Is what I guess by the line and the envy being.
Guaranteed. The storylines may not be as good, but the games will be good. Because you're basically going to have AAU teams with good coaching. I mean, it's a powerful piece in there. And once again, it's it, what they what did they say? They said that is the the you you uh you have to break up the the monopoly, and you break up a monopoly from the people who are the least who least benefit from the current uh, situation, which is the HBCUs, where they they referenced in that article that in the seventies, Grambling football was on national TV every week. And the power, the, the the players that went to the NBA, uh, NBA or went to uh, went, or went to the NBA out of HBCUs all the time. But once the contracts and you a lot were allowed access to, to other schools, then that changed. And now you have an opportunity, even though there's some legal barriers that you have to hurdle, you had an opportunity to go ahead and create something. I don't expect for it to last forever because I think that the NCAA will have to change the way it operates and then it becomes kind of null and void after a while. But you may get a five, ten-year run of elite basketball on an elite level because you look at this and say, okay, hey, everybody's playing a 30-game season, right? Play every team twice, home and home. Matter of fact, they ain't got to be home and home. You do everybody's going. If you play a thirty-game season, everybody plays ten home games. No, you play fifteen home games. You play so many away games, and you play five neutral sites or ten home, ten away, ten neutral sites. I mean, can you? I mean, can you imagine that? So it's not this. Hey, they're playing in Mississippi, or they're playing in Maryland, or they're playing here. No, they're come, and they strategically bring it because if they bring it to any city. And you and the product is what it is. What's gonna happen? It's gonna sell out. So you're gonna be able to make the money. And I mean, they they have they have a a large situation. And I think the in the root of the whole creation of it is to basically let the NCAA know that they're wrong about what they're what they've been doing. Um, and I said, if you're gonna pay, just go ahead and pay. I don't know how the NCAA would do it based on how they're doing without being hypocritical. Just kind of alleviates that and forces the NCAA to change it. NCAA is slow moving all the time, and when they move fast, they move wrong. So once again, I think that you had that five to ten, five to ten uh, year period that you can be able to create something and then allow and maybe work with the NCAA to kind of transition it where we have these regional aspects where you get these players that stay home that stay in the area. Why? Because I can go to any team and still be part of this conglomerate. I think it's it's a it's a perfect thing. Uh, don't know how long it'll take to get happen. I know NCAA will probably sue, but once again, these guys will never be amateur athletes. They will go from being high school to being straight professionals. I mean, you could also almost do a draft. Hey, you signed that you will be drafted into this league, going wherever you are. But at least they. I would say at least a two-year, at least a two-year contract. And your contract is, hey, for the first year is 50000 based upon such and such, it could be 100000 Or if you're in top 10 ranked, you can be this and you can be that. And you know what I'm saying? So you set it up so you have an opportunity to get a raise in that second year. 
I think you I think you can do it. Um, granted, you look at it and you say, well, you market it at HBCUs. That's just where the school is, and it's going to boost revenue to those schools. And just like anything else, just like you have uh, students that want to go to UK for uh, because it's a basketball team, or go to Michigan State because of the basketball team, or go to Syracuse because of the basketball team. Eventually, when these teams are winners, if you if this is around for four years, you'll have students want to enroll to those schools wherever those schools are, wherever those schools are, because of simply the basketball team and the basketball program. So you kind of kill a couple of a couple of stones. Enrollment at those HBCUs will be at an all-time high. Uh, I think the diversity at those schools will be high because once again, you're not going to just the top players are not just black athletes. It's at just the players all all, all together. So I just think uh, that uh, this uh, is an opportunity that should be explored. Um, and I would say I, I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing as it being fully implemented. I just think it needs to be done with fidelity and done with a long-term plan, uh, a sustainability in the, independent of whatever the NCAA does. So the plan – they're planning on it to be done and to be done by whatever this league is called and it being successful. And if the NCAA has to step up and buy out or us do it jointly, whatever the case may be, then we'll do it that way. But, can I mean, can you just imagine if you got 16 teams, if you got the top 100, say you're, hey, our top 160 players in, in, in the country going to going into this this tournament or going into this 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 new league and it's a draft so therefore it's not a situation where hey this 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 whole conglomerate that's all the top fives are going here and i think that's the only way that you can do it is kind of do it as a draft because if they're employees you got to do it as a draft because then you create what the nba is that you have hey the top the top 12 five five stars are going to this team no Let's make this competitive. Let's make it competitive, but let's also do a draft. So then now the coaches or the, the athletic directors become a GM-like, and now you have a situation where you can uh, set it off. I mean, I, I'm excited just talking about it, reading an article um, to see how how they're going to approach the next steps because there are some legal things that they have to and the logistics. But I'm pretty sure any HBCU, and he, they just they just didn't stick it to to like you said division one division one and division two uh, will be willing to, to to do this once again getting over that hurdle that first year of these players going to whichever school that they are assigned to go to or within there I don't think it would be a reason that they would I mean right now yeah I don't see now that you talk about it a little bit more, I'm not as opposed to it, but I still see hurdles and I still see, I mean, there's potential for just some issues. Like I said, you're not going to get all the top athletes. Um, and, and you mentioned the top 150. It's probably going to have to explain it. And this is a different way to work Football is you open the the. I mean, some of these schools, and I think this is also an issue that you may consider. They're still considered students, so that is standard for 
mean, yeah, I mean, they, they would have to be very strategic with what they where they pick. And you also, I mean, and that's the thing is some of these schools that they may have on there that, I mean, the private schools, I think, may be the easier thing because, I mean, them just having to qualify to get into school, they don't have to clear clearinghouse or anything else. Um, you, I mean, granted, yeah, you still going to have issues with some of those top players. And yeah, you have some of the top players that will, quote, unquote, I, this is funny me saying this, sneak off to the NCAA, but it's not beneficial for them to. The thing is, is that it can be beneficial and it becomes an equal playing field if every university, because that will increase the, the influx of, uh, of money to those schools if it, any school can can pay this. Because at the end of the day, everybody at the end of the day is not D1. Everybody is not D2, whatever. But if you have a sliding scale, hey, D1 players get 100000 a year, D2, 50000 There are only so many spots on D1. Only so many spots on D2. They, uh, D3, y'all get 25000 you or whatever the case, or whatever is broken down, if it's even across uh, across the page, then now good players can go to different schools. Uh, I mean, it, it opens up a, a wide range of discussion. Granted, yes, it still is a lot of money thrown around at young men, uh, but I think it's more to set a point if you're going uh, to make a point, and I think if you're going to make a point, do it the right way uh, right. and make sure you do something that can be uh, created to improve the whole situation. So, I mean, like I said, I'm not mad of it, mad about it at all, but I uh, I think that it will uh, take some work, but I think that it could be something fully sustainable. But like I said, I'm not mad at it. Not at all. So with four minutes left in here, Rod Wood, the Lions GM, stated or 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 replied to a statement about uh Matthew Stafford and his contract re up and basically you know, all intents and purposes said it's a done deal basically for Matt Stafford becoming the highest paid player in the NFL. Your thoughts on it? I mean, it's just the unfortunate thing of what happens when you have a to pay quarterback. I mean, I would hate to see we're talking about Stafford, but I see him, uh, the Raiders, even a team like uh, the Packers, the Saints who have a quarterback that will come behind that asking for more. And when you look at Aaron Rodgers, he deserves more. When you look at me looking at his reservoir, you look at the trajectory that David Carr, uh, James Winston, Marcus Mariota are going, the the market has been set. So what are they going to get? Let uh, James take him back to the playoff this year. Let Marcus continue to get better. They're going to ask for 26, 27. Do they deserve it? Million dollars to be a transition quarterback. This sucks, but that's what happens with quarterbacks. You got uh, Kirk Cousins in Washington making how much under that um, franchise tax thing? Twenty-four million. It's this market. The, the, 
Joel in four, four, twelve, five, and eleven, six and ten seasons, and you're like, oh, can we get a staff from that? You know what we think? Yeah, and once again, the market is what the market is. Uh, I mean, you'll see it this summer when these NBA contracts come out and these players are making – I mean, you saw it a little bit last year. These guys are making all this money uh, because they have a salary cap and it has to be done. But the thing is, in order to keep, in order to keep a player that uh, of that quality, you have to pay him. Because if the Lions don't pay him, you're going to lose him. He's probably going to get paid more waiting another year when the market has set itself higher. And then you'll end up with a much more marginal, uh, less marginal player and end up with in a worse situation. And then I wish I had, I wish I could have kept them, like you said. And you can't go back and get them after that fact. So I think the it, it's a wise thing to do is to make that decision, sign the deal, keep it moving. Once again, does that add more pressure on what he needs to do? Uh, he needs to do. Yes. Does he need to get better? Yes. Does he need to be more consistent? Yes. Uh, and I have some friends that hate him, and oh, we need this, and blah 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 blah. But at this point in time, he, until you can get a definitive upgrade, then you don't move on. You can't afford right. to play. We talk about it all the time. The quarterback is. The least, I'm not going to say talent, I'm going to say the, least, the talent pool in quarterback is, is the least of any position in the NFL as far as the number of talented quarterbacks that can compete and win and put you, can win a game in the NFL. It is. It's just right. Uh, and with that, we have a quarterback that has proven that he can do these things on certain levels. And we need to be able to ride with that as long as we can. Once again, you have a team that is in the gym that has done things to protect them and to improve the defense and things of that nature. So we're going to see how it works out. I mean, at the end of the day, our intents and purposes, I ain't going to say if they don't win the Super Bowl, but they don't compete for a Super Bowl, then it's going to fall on Stafford. And Stafford can be – the best Lions quarterback in the history, but the worst at the same time. Because arguably that he would have the, the most resources and done the least. Because, hey, uh, Rodney Pete, Andre Ware, Scott Mitchell, they, they got the Lions to, to the playoffs, and, and Scott Mitchell got them a win. Or was that Eric? No, that was Scott Mitchell. No, that was Kramer. Oh, Kramer. Yeah, that was the the year after. But yeah, so um, I think that you need to do it. Don't even make a big deal out of it. Of course, the media will seal the deal, make it happen, keep it moving. It will look to continually improve. Once again, you got bigger things to do. Uh, had to make a trade. Robinson signed another offensive tackle with Decker possibly out into December. If Decker's going to be out to December, I'm good with letting Decker sit out of the year because I would much rather him be fully 100% healthy rather than uh, to come on and uh, <clears throat> and possibly injure it more and be pushed back. Granted, 
surprisingly, the two players we just acquired are players that when we were doing mock drafts were players that we actually wanted to see, even though Robinson was nowhere near going to drop to where the Lions were in that draft, that we wanted to see in Honolulu Blue. So now we get a chance to see. And I think the one thing that, that has been established now is that competition is paramount at every position. And they don't mind switching folks out and not waiting because in the past there ain't no way the Lions would have traded for anybody. It was like, oh, we're going to wait till, him get, till he gets healthy. And we would have had a, a, a two and been two and ten when he came back. They said, well, you know, that's the reason why. No, you can't wait. Because uh, they, reckon, they recognize that window of time is, is, is smaller than a lot of people think. So I think it's a good move. A lot of people won't agree. But uh, it has to be done. If it doesn't, uh, you're not getting Aaron Rodgers. And at this point in time, I'm, Aaron Rodgers is on the downward twin, uh, uh, downward uh, trend of his career. I mean, that's just a fact. Uh, who would you have? The quarterback game, who would you have in place of Matt Stafford? Would you take Jameis? Would you take Cam? Would you take Russell? I probably would take Russell. That may be one of the few. Yeah. That's one of the thirty. He's one. And maybe Luck and Carr. Maybe. Luck is Luck has almost proven that he needs the perfect situation to succeed. Almost. Which is Matt Stafford. Which everybody say about Matt Stafford. He needs he needs a line. He needs a running game. He needs wide receivers. Uh, you know, I think it all starts with the line. And and luck has struggled like Matt Stafford has without a line. So what's the difference between the two? Not uh, much. Right. Carr? Luck maybe. has played, played in the easier division. Yeah. And struggled just as much. Not initially, but he definitely is now. There ain't no way that should I what did I have? Indianapolis going to the Super Bowl the year before last? When mm-hmm. they really laid egg and they continued to lay that egg a year later. Um so it's uh make it happen. Move on. Let this stuff out. That's pretty much it. I mean, I don't think it's too much to discuss when it comes to that now. And with that definitive statement, folks, we out of here. So we'll we'll we will definitely talk about uh recap of the uh, the draft, any trades that occur. And we're gonna come up with some off the cuff stuff. Q actually gonna put Q on so we're gonna have Q always do a preview of his latest vlog. Check out his vlog. Why did they check out your vlog, uh Q? On YouTube, a sneaker vacuum actually just had a post today. Have you been embedding those? Oh, the sports vacuum. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh. Sports vacuum. Yeah. So we'll look to oh, to be. I said, have you been embedding those on the uh, website? The YouTube. No, I, I need to start doing that. Yeah. So we'll make sure that you will be able to see it on our. On our show, uh, on our website, um, but yeah, 
Also, check us out. Again, uh, the podcast will be available on www.blogtalkradio.com slash sportsqna. Also, on iTunes podcast, Sports Q&A. Um, it'll be on the website tomorrow. It'll be a link on Facebook, uh, and the group, and the page later on when it's available. And with that, folks, we are out of here. We are holla at you next week. Peace. See you. Peace.